that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Oh, just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? What's up to our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation? You're listening to the Cannibal Horror Cast. It has been so, so long, my friends, and I guess this is kind of just a mini Cannibal Horror Cast because Sly and I have just gotten back from seeing Halloween 2018 at a press screening, and boy, am I excited. I'm so excited. I needed to come and talk about it right meow. So, uh, hi, Sly. Hi. Uh, have you ever been on a Cannibal Horrorcast before? I don't think so. Nice. Well, <laughs> I, technically, I, don't, I didn't know if I should make it a Cannibal Horrorcast since it's just the two of us, but then it's a horror movie, so it only seemed right to put it in the horror section of the show. So, um, yeah, we went to go see it. It was uh, David Gordon Green and uh, the return of, of course... Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis, <laughs> yes. Uh, for the second, no, the third time. So this is the one, two, three, fourth time, fifth time that she's played Laurie Strode. She's played her in Halloween 1, Halloween 2, and then H2O, and then Halloween Resurrection, and now Halloween parentheses 2018 parentheses question mark. <laughs> I'm so tired of, I don't know why they need to, they feel the need to do that. Just give it a subtitle, goddammit. it's Legacy. No, it's not Legacy? No. Oh, okay. Somebody else. That's what it's, people are calling it, though, right? Oh, Halloween like, Legacy? Yeah. It should be. They should just subtitle it Legacy. Okay. Um, well. All I see is Halloween 2018. And it's just, I mean, that was, that was what the screen said. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just... Uh, I hate that. So, um, anyway... Um, gosh, where do we start? So, you know, having lived with me, that <laughs> I watch Halloween, if not every year, almost every year. It's yeah, part of our... Well, horror movies in general are an all-year thing. It's not a, like a October spooky time. It's like whenever there's one, we hope to be excited about it. Mm-hmm. Well, more so you. Like, I generally need... I don't like horror movies with stupid characters. If I'm not attached to the character... <laughs> that's most horror movies, sadly. Well, that's why. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but I like uh, stories where I can be attached to and concerned for the characters, and if not, I don't care. Yeah. It's true. She absolutely does not care. Uh, I start a movie, and within ten minutes, she'll probably be asleep. Uh, just I'm like keep, I'm there with you. I'm yeah, you yeah. She's yeah. Of Providing course, that's warmth. that's very important. <laughs> if I get spooked, at least I know you're there to throw in front of a killer. Um, right. Oh, should we go back to the, just the the one time where I was traveling for work? Separate horror movie. But oh my god! When so I'm in Texas and JD's in Pennsylvania. And we each separately see Paranormal Activity. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm getting calls at like 3 in the morning. <laughs> he is not fine. I was a so. little spooked by the Paranormal Activity <laughs> movies, which is weird. As a lifelong horror fan, I was kind of embarrassed that those simplistic films got to me. But God damn it, they got to me. 
So, uh, this past month, I have been watching the Halloween films. Um, I, I, I skipped two and three because I just saw those pretty recently. But I watched Halloween three, four, five. I'm sorry, four, five, six. Um, we're about halfway through six now, which is Halloween H2O. Editor's note, yeah, I realized that uh, in retrospect, Halloween 6 was actually The Curse of Michael Myers, and it's actually Halloween 7 is H2O, but for all intents and purposes, I feel like we could just forget about The Curse of Michael Myers, because it's absolutely the worst of the entire franchise. Moving on! And I'm, I'm going to finish the series, but uh, we got the privilege of going to see Halloween 1978, in the, at the big theater. We went to go see the movie tavern. Yes. And they bring um, in, like, retro films. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. And so anytime I get a chance to go see the original on the big screen, I'm absolutely there. So we got to do that last week. And then this week, we got to go to a press screening. So um, let's start by saying that we're not going to do any heavy spoilers. We're not going to ruin the end, and we're not going to ruin what I consider to be a very mild twist in the film story. Um, Which I found predictable. So and, but confused, it confused me. Oh. <laughs> it didn't confuse me, but it, it surprised me. Ah, uh-huh. Um, I was like, oh, shit. So, I saw it. I saw it way early. Yeah, <laughs> so, well, you're smarter than me. Everyone knows. <laughs> oh, no. So, we're not, you can listen to this and feel like you're not going to get super spoiled, but we did want to touch on some basics. And uh, let's start it off. So... The very beginning, we've got the scene that we had in the trailer, which is the two dumbass podcasters. Um, <laughs> which going, is the means by which you, not dumbass, but like yeah. podcasting, the means by which you have obtained your best pass. Yeah. Don't be too yeah. harsh. <laughs> um, well, I'm not a dumb. I, mean, I, I, I don't go up to you know oh, murderers and jiggle their mask in front of well, them. Well, okay. But if you had, if for some reason you had the opportunity to interview somebody on some uh, uh, like kind of a serious topic, like oh, I do it right. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, but I'll tell you what, they were confusing themselves. They were there. One called themselves podcasters, and the other one was like, "We're investigative journalists." Right. I don't think that was confusion. I was think. I think that was them trying to get in the door. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I think I also think that they have well, they, some sort of a serial. Totally. Yeah they're, yeah, they're like an NPR podcast yeah, as opposed yeah, yeah. to like ours. Well, they're British. Yeah. So they, they oh, the sound one is really good. So, um, were they both British? It doesn't matter. Anyway, <laughs> so basically before the credits, we've got that scene where they show up at Smith's Grove and they jiggle the mask at Michael Myers from behind him and then somehow he can sense the mask. And because uh, I always thought that was kind of weird in the trailer. Like, like I doing? know <laughs> I know they don't want the viewer to see the face of Michael Myers, but that's not how you talk to anybody. You don't right. appre- approach them from the behind and then jiggle a mask at them and then be confused that they're not engaging with you. Yeah. Well, you had a great analogy. It's like the jiggle, uh, holding the stake in front of the, the lion. The, the not yet fed lion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, oh, do you the want lion that we arm? haven't fed in 20 years. 40 years. Jesus Christ, 40 yeah, years. 40 years yeah. So um, I thought that was a nice build of tension where basically he's trying to evoke a reaction out of Michael. Yeah. And then we cut directly to the Halloween, you know, the, the title card. Yes. And I immediately, as soon as that happened, first of all, I loved that transition from screaming to just boop, and here's the title card. Right, well, let's take a step back. So part of the the screaming, because, you know, that didn't tell what... So there was a series of other um, mental patients. um, Clangering and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. who are... 
you know, I, I really, really love the contrast of that because Michael is very still. Mm-hmm. And they all know something is going on and they're freaking out. So they didn't use, I like, I really like that they didn't use him specifically. There's clearly tension there. Yeah. But they used the environment instead. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was like a much creepier approach. Oh, for to sure. That. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then we get, I immediately, I tapped you on the shoulder and I went, I love this. <laughs> there was, we see, uh, the Halloween card flashes, and then we see the pumpkin that was, you know, basically the same pumpkin as the 1978 one, except it's completely melted and deflated, and they've done a really interesting rewind, and we watch the pumpkin reinflate. Yes. Um, obviously, they were melting it or burning it or something, um, and then it, it, it reinflates itself, and then sort of I'd be so um, curious. Cap- recaptures the original credit sequence. Yeah, to get a behind-the-scenes of How do you do that effect? That was super cool. Like, Well, what they did is they just melted the damn pumpkin and then played that in reverse. Okay. Because you, you could see the blue flame. I was looking at it. They had blacked out everything, but you oh, could still see okay. a little bit of the blue flame under the pumpkin. I, wasn't, I don't think I didn't know what I was yeah. watching. So. But uh, just, just the, the, the feeling that that evoked... I was immediately like, oh, I'm going to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. So I was very excited about that. Should we talk about the nose? Because that came so to question the nose. Right home. All right, guys. Here's, here's <laughs> the thing, listeners. Uh, I've seen this movie so many times, and I have seen that specific pumpkin. I could draw you, without reference, the Halloween pumpkin from the original credit sequence. And it didn't even occur to me until Sushan said today... Uh, when I was trying to explain the visual of that pumpkin, I was like, oh, this is the same pumpkin cut that they used in the original. And you said... Yeah, I know. <laughs> no? No, I know. But yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, it has the, the knife or the nose. <laughs> and I, guys, please email me at coltpopgo at gmail.com <laughs> and let me know. if When you've seen that pumpkin, did was it readily evident to you that the the nose of that pumpkin... Because it's got a line... You know, they cut out the nose, they cut out the eyes, they cut out the mouth. But part of the cutout is a line leading from the nose to the top of the mouth, the top lip of the mouth. And Sly says that, oh, it's supposed to be a butcher knife. That's what I always saw. That's what I always Which thought. Which is, so. I, I wish that that was the case. But the the triangle of the pumpkin nose is such that it doesn't seem like it's quite that. Well, I but I could see where you get it. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily supposed to be super obvious right away. That's that's what I always thought. Okay, but I thought, and you just thought it was an artistic choice. Right? I thought it was just here's a way to differentiate a pumpkin. Ah, mm-hmm. so this is the Halloween pumpkin, and it didn't occur to me that that is supposed to be a carving of a like a, a negative space of a of a butcher knife. Right. So please. If anyone has seen this before, and I'm just a fucking idiot, please email me and call me a fucking idiot. So, yeah. Um, basically, so we've got... I want to talk about the continuity of the films for just a second. So the interesting choice to me, just from Jump Street, when I heard that they were making this movie and what they were doing, is the sort of Superman Returns version of Halloween. So we have uh, the two good ones, the two good Supermen, and then we're going to forget all the other Supermen and we're going to pick up and we're just going to choose to ignore certain sequels. And this is what they've done here. They've done 1978 Halloween and then they they even skipped part two, which takes place on the same night with Jamie Lee Curtis. They've skipped two through six, I guess. Plus the two, obviously, thank God they skipped the two uh, Rob Zombie atro- uh, uh, atrocities. But, um, yeah, they just decided 1978, 
2018. There's been 40 years. Nothing has happened since then. He's been locked up this entire time. And I don't know how I feel about that as an artistic choice um, because it doesn't feel like a continuation so much as a cap. So if if we're building a new franchise, which as I imagine, they're never going to stop making Halloween movies, just like they're never going to stop making Star Wars movies or superhero movies. Um... Because it's too big a franchise. I feel like this is an ending to something as opposed to a beginning to something else. Uh, what did you do, do? You think that this is good? Like, do you think this confuses the issue for viewers um, who know that there are fucking a bunch of sequels? Not necessarily. I don't think it's gonna um, confuse the true fans. I think they'll be able to like figure it out. I don't know for the newbies to the... I feel like they're going to require some explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it occurred to me, um, in this kind of telling, they made Jamie Lee Curtis's... They made Laurie Strode like a really patient peppermint. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. I, she's so patient. She's I was like, oh, Laurie Strode's the fucking Punisher. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just... Especially, and I guess that's a good point, only the real, like the long-term fans would even know that... We've already done this 20 years ago mm-hmm. with H2O, Halloween H2O, where, oh, it's Laurie Strode. It's 20 years after. She's been in hiding this whole time. And now Michael has found her again. And she has her final confrontation with Michael for the first time again. Um, so it's it's hard for me. But I guess as someone who reads a lot of comic books and stuff, I'm used to retconning stuff. Oh, totally. But I just think it's a really strange and interesting choice for a franchise like this. But I feel like... Uh, I kind I like this one. I, you know, I after we're in the process of rewatching H two O, but I'm like, I was kind of always like, she works at a school. Uh-huh. <laughs> like that's an interesting choice for somebody who went through so much. Mm-hmm. I get the being in hiding and stuff like that, but I I I really like uh, the current character and that she has just spent her life and and not and has had a hard life. Mm-hmm. You know, it references. Um, difficulties that she went to and is still like going and holding on to you know her story basically of like no this he is coming back Mm -hmm. and we have to be prepared all right here's here's my takeaway if we're going to compare halloween h2o's laurie strode and 2018's laurie strode i much prefer the the halloween h2o laurie strode because if we're going to talk about the themes of ptsd and abuse and having to rise up out of something that happened to you and being able to move forward with it and not letting it commandeer the trajectory of your entire existence. I, I really like Lori from H2O because, yes, yeah, she's she's a functioning alcoholic, as her son calls her. Um, there's that great scene where she goes out to lunch with her new boyfriend and he steps oh, away I, from the table for a minute. That's a great scene, though, yes. And she... Before she's even drunk her wine, she asks the waiter to bring her another glass of wine who gives her a little bit of side eye. And, and she's got she, almost full glass. <laughs> yeah, so she chugs that glass and then takes a couple of sips out of the new glass to make it look like it she's matched. only had a little bit of wine. Yeah. So it, it matched. matched the one she left. And I love that. Yeah. But so she's clearly a woman who, you know, when we first see her, she wakes up screaming. Yes. So she's still dealing with it, but she's changed her name. She's faked her death. She's now the headmistress of a prestigious school, right? So, like, she's made choices 
to to go on a different trajectory than maybe where Michael left her in 1978. I really mm-hmm. I respect that version of the character more so than this one who's just beaten down by this one experience that she had 40 years ago and has allowed it to ruin See, I, decision after decision after decision. I disagree with you. Okay. Specifically, but so if you take them in the universe of the times that they're in, I like we live like with current things that are happening and mm. specifically like women's rights and stuff like that. I don't think it's just that for the new character, mm-hmm. you know, for the new version of the character. I'm like, the world is dangerous yeah. and she is dealing in the way that she is perceiving the world around her. Right. Possibly. So. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like the original Laurie Strode was a, a story about a woman who didn't let her, let, let the bad experience defeat her and she carried it with her everywhere she went but she was. She didn't let her. Um, she didn't let it destroy her life, like mm. like this one does. This one seems beaten down. Like she's lost a couple of husbands. Her daughter doesn't even really want her in contact with her or her granddaughter, and it's just a much sadder place for that character to be. So I guess maybe that's what it is. Is like I'm bringing my own baggage of the Laurie Strode in my head from 1978 and where I what would want her to be. Um, after such an, a horrible experience versus what we were given this time around. You know what I mean? Mm, but I, I, I look more... I don't look just at the emotional aspects of the, the current um, version of Laurie Strode. I look at what she actually Did. does. Yes. And what she does, I'm psyched about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have... Um, I like them both for different reasons. Yeah, well, I yeah, I, I do like them like, both. I actually, I mean... They both have the their ups and downs, I think. Um, I don't have a favorite, but I... yeah, I, Well, I kind of do, I guess. Because I think I like... I like the grittiness of the the current Laurie Strode. Well, she's more, a Lyndall Hamilton. She's, she's Linda Hamilton from yes. T2. Well, I like Lyndall Hamilton yeah. from T2. But she's another... But again, that was a woman who had a bad experience. And also, we're apples and oranges only because she was aware of... The, the the coming apocalypse, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, when we see her, she's in an asylum. Mm-hmm. Who she's clearly been locked up because she's on. Un- everyone thinks she's unstable. Yeah. So. Well, okay. If you're comparing those two characters, each of those characters is challenged with holding on to her own truth and holding on to it so firmly that to defeat whatever's coming. Yeah, and she says that in this movie. She says something like, I'm sorry if I raised my daughter in a way that made her um, not want to be near me, but the fact that I raised her to survive is something I can deal with. Yes. I can, I'm okay if she doesn't love me because of the way I raised her as long as she is able to survive on her own. And that's what, I mean, like, all parents make some sort of sacrifice along yeah. the way, right? And that just happened to be hers. Yeah, yeah that's a pretty good point. Um, so anyway, yeah, I just think it's an interesting choice to make to um, read, like, how do you even convince her to come back and do this? Like, how did they come back to her and say, hey, remember how you came back one last time to defeat the enemy? How about if we just pretend that never happened and we'll do it again? I just want to be at that boardroom meeting. Yeah. Well, you know what, though? As an actor... Uh-huh. And for the idea of story, I think it would actually be really interesting. I love stories that have uh, was it sliding doors. Sliding uh, doors, yeah. Where there's like... An alternate reality? Yeah, al- multiple 
possibilities that you get to see. So you don't get to see that in one singular film, mm -hmm. but in this way, um, both for the actor and for the audience, it's like, yeah. oh, there's an alternative. There's a way. What if? It's yes. basically a yeah. Marvel's what if comic book. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some different little things without spoiling any any of the um, big events in the film. What did you think about the mask? I loved it. I loved you know I loved it too. It looks I like liked... it's the original but aged. Yeah, I love that it was like oh that looks like forty years. Sure. So as someone <laughs> who's who's just you know revisited most of the films, um, there are winners and losers when it comes <laughs> to the mask. Yes. Every mask is is a, a slightly different shape. The eye holes are different. Uh, the mouth is a little different. They never quite are able to recreate it perfectly for whatever reason. I don't know why. Well, there's all those different people underneath for some of them, yeah. too. You have so, to make I mean, sure it fits gonna, them. Yeah, that's true. that'll yeah. fit a little different for each yeah. person. Um, you know, because right now on the TV that we're in front of, we have H2O. We've got the, the Blu-ray... Um, screen going what's it called the menu screen menu. and so i keep seeing this cycling uh, movement of michael walking down a hallway and he looks so silly in that mask that mask mm. just looks very silly it looks like something i could bought at like halloween spirit yeah the yeah. store so um no i think this mask is very good um i also really like the mask from the rob zombie remake i thought that mask was good when they put it on that little kid it looked stupid as hell mm. but on michael as a grown-up i thought it looked pretty good um but, uh, all right, let's talk about the kid actors. So I feel like these movies, these slasher films, really rely very heavily not just on your antagonist, the guy who's going around slashing kids up, but on the, the kids themselves, the actors and, and the characters they're playing. And I feel like, again, with The Mask, with the kids you have a myriad of different uh, peaks and valleys as far as the actors are concerned. How did you feel about the kids in this movie? Were you waiting for them to just die or were you kind of pulling for them? I was pulling for some of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought they were a little – I think that they were pretty spunky, right? Yeah, because we've got Lori's granddaughter, mm -hmm. Allison, yeah. and then her, her little group of friends. Yeah, well, I feel like – in regards to Allison, we kind of automatically pull for her. Because mm -hmm. um, she's in, caught in this, like, <laughs> it's such a weird... I feel like I've been here with my own family, like, when you have those generational gaps. Uh -huh. But you want... You just want everybody to be together, you mm -hmm. know? And, like, and clearly there's, like, so much history that it's hard to pull everybody It's a lot of baggage. Together. There's walls up. Yeah. Exactly. But I love that she, as the granddaughter, is still, you know, very invested in, in pulling it. Like understands that her like her mom and her grandmother don't have an ideal relationship and mm -hmm. really just wants them both to get over it yeah <laughs> yeah it's revealed um that she has had her she has her own conversations with her grandmother i feel like the mother um feels like she's the go-between without realizing that the granddaughter has her own conversations yes totally. yeah on the side with the grandmother with Lori. yes so well and it's and i love this is something so great about young people like you know, at a certain point, you like it's always you know when people when adults are lying, mm -hmm. and it's like it's still like she ha hasn't matured so much. Like she's a teenager, but she hasn't matured so much past that where she to where she's like, yeah, okay, I'll just accept this. It kind of mm. you know, or or she hasn't defined her own adulthood in, enough yet either to have that not entirely matter. Yeah, um, yeah, I like the kids in this. I yes. thought that their dialogue was kind of fun. Um, I didn't, at no point did one of them do or say anything that was like 
above and beyond stupid. They made me roll my eyes super hard. Yeah. Um, we have one like, kid hitting on the other girl. Yes. And you yeah. just, you know that's not going to go well, but like, I but, get it. <laughs> total spoiler, but from the introduction of Dave, I was like, you're going to die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, Dave, yeah. you sorry, dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I thought the kids were pretty good. You know, I'm wondering how this is going to uh, age because I'm watching, you know, uh, Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, which is just awful. And the people in that are very much of that time. And the kids in Halloween H2O were very much of that time. And I'm wondering how these kids are going to relate. They feel pretty contemporary, but I wonder if they will also feel dated 20 years from now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure enough change will happen. Um, I got to speak um, about the, the two younger ones. One, The one that um, when the... Um, the bus is first to the side of the Oh, road. That, yeah. I, they had such great little snippets of dialogue um, in such a, in a very condensed way made you care about mm-hmm. the characters. There's a great conversation between this kid and his dad um, on, they, their, on their way to go camping. And yeah. Like that, and it was so, and also that particular conversation I thought was very modern mm-hmm. as far mm-hmm. as, um, or at least very current, you know, yep. um, of like, uh, activities that uh, have been historically gendered, mm-hmm. and well, was- they do that twice here, mm-hmm. where they've got the um, the um, gender fluid Halloween costume. Yes, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, too. yeah. So yeah. it's very, it does feel very contemporary because that's definitely what I'm seeing a lot of my friends, um, or a lot of things that we talk about, and I've seen experiencing. Um, in the younger generation in my comic shop. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. So, yeah, I did note that those two mm-hmm. as well. That's pretty cool. And the kid that was being – Julian, I think, was the character's name. The kid that was being babysat was – He was awesome. He was so awesome. JD, there, within the scene, <laughs> this kid – and hopefully not to give it too much away. But um, I studied acting and, uh, you know, in a scene – often you're you kind of try to choose an arbitrary action so that you're not just like talking at the other actor so you have to be doing something and like living, Brad Pitt living in the scene you know notoriously likes to eat yeah he'll oh, just yeah, be like eating an apple yeah, in the middle yes, of yeah yeah um, so I don't I am so curious how this got decided but this kid was clipping his toenails on the couch watching <laughs> so a movie gross, clipping his toenails too, with yeah. the babysitter right there I'm like I was also there was a moment I was like, how is this babysitter like not freaking out about that? Like yeah. clearly they have like a longer term like they really made it feel like there was a longer term relationship yeah. there too. Yeah. No, I really um, I really they, liked their, their dialogue. Dynamic, their was dynamic great. was so great. Yeah, yeah. They were so cute. Oh, yeah. yeah. I I feel like there's a lot of little moments like that in this movie that kind of help propel it a little bit further. Yeah. So uh the kills in this oh, movie. yes. So I was watching an um, interview yesterday on Entertainment Weekly. You know, it's sort of the uh, – it's kind of making a meme right now around the internet where someone's interviewing uh, Laurie Strode. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. And You only they're know saying, her as Laurie Strode. Yeah. Uh, well, I've said it so much. Um, and also from True Lies. Very sexy. Oh, she Very was, sexy. She was great in that. Yeah. yeah. But um, – you know, the interviewer asks her, oh, do people still put on hockey masks to try to scare you? And she gives him this look because there is, there's no hockey. That's a totally different franchise. And um, they, David Gordon Green, the director, one of the co-writers and the director, talks about the gore of the film. And it's definitely amplified from the first one. The first one was very, very tame by today's standards. And I feel like this... 
feels very modern with the gore in it without being over the top sort of like the Saw films. Right. Yeah, I feel like it kept it to a modest slasher film gore level as opposed to just being gore porn, yes, which I very much respect. That's some creative uh, gore. Oh, there's <laughs> I some said creative porn. Creative porn. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. No, there's some great kills in this. Yeah. If you know, part of the reason to go see a slasher film is to see the creative uh, kills or at least kind of how gross they can get. Yes. And I feel like they did fine without going over the top. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I loved it. And let's see. And also there's a, a – this one I don't want to spoil, but like uh, before Michael makes it to Haddonfield, um, there's an incident. Yeah. And I kind of – he uses one murder to use be a scare tactic for another and for – well, for, he uses a scare tactic. But um, th- uh, that was that was extra creepy. Like mm-hmm. I – and it was – simple too and I, I kind of I thought that was great I thought it was such, such a great touch well Michael Myers more so than Jason Voorhees is a bit of a prankster so in the first movie you know he goes to the house where the the, the two kids are babysitting we're well, not babysitting they're fucking basically and he puts on the ghost sheet with the kid the guy's glasses after murder yes. and he yeah. just kind of stands there and lets PJ Souls um, sort of like have a bunch of conversation back and forth with him before she gets on the phone and then he comes behind her and kills her. So it's it's definitely part of his whole shtick. Even that too, mm-hmm. because she was on the phone with her. Like they thought she was joking around again. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then when clearly they find out that wasn't the case, then yeah. it's like all the scarier. Again, yeah. And so. he, you know, and he does that the, the whole, you know, when um, Lori finds him in the, finds PJ Souls in the original, she's been laid on the bed and Judith Meyer's uh, tombstone is on the bed. So, like, he's not above setting up a scene. And right. he does that yeah. a couple of times here. Right. There's one very cool he's one. He's like, I'm a little out of practice. But. Yeah. <laughs> There's one involving a flashlight in uh, this new one. Yes. Uh, that I very much loved. It's very much in the theme, but taking it a bunch of steps further. Yes. Yeah, it was very gross. So yeah, man, uh, I'm very excited about this movie. Uh, I've been excited since Jump Street on this. Uh, a little nervous that it might suck hmm. because, you know, not all of these kind of rehashings work out so well. And I, I do feel like this one's very strong. Uh, I'm curious to see how it's going to age as far as the pantheon of Halloween sequels. And that's what this is. It's a, another Halloween sequel. They've just decided to forego a bunch of the other ones. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how it's going to age. But uh, So right now, I love it. I can't wait to go see it with a group of friends um, at another time. Definitely. Yeah, you liked it? Oh, oh like, yeah. You, you I, I, thumbs yeah, up? I, they, all the characters had my attention. Oh, great. Which is, which is what keeps me present in, awesome. in a horror movie. And I, and I you know, um, so I've done uh, hair and makeup on films before. And for a long time, specific to horror, it's like, you know, when you see behind the curtain, you can – for me, I can appreciate the creativity, but I can't, my, my rational brain for seeing all the, the things that I've seen behind the scenes often doesn't let me go into the scare factor. And I can't say exactly that I was scared even so. There was great jump scares. I was mm-hmm. jumping through the whole movie with that. But um, 
Yeah, I was like, I was caught up because I was concerned for every they everybody mm-hmm. was strong enough that I was concerned for them the whole time. Yeah, in their acting. So I mean, well, you know, they were strong enough in their acting. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I actually, you know, I was saying earlier that you're only as strong as sort of your your <laughs> victims casting, and uh, I feel like everybody was really on point here. I didn't. There was nobody that I was like rolling my eyes at. Like even in the first 1978 Halloween, there's a scene where. Um, oh, I forget her name. She dies in the car and she crosses her eyes and she makes just the dumbest face and it always makes me giggle. But (laughs) any time that I'm giggling here, it was intentional from the filmmakers. Yes. So yeah, I was at no point was I laughing at the movie. I was involved and I was laughing with the film. So yeah. So guys, uh, I hope you get to go see this movie. Uh, If you're as excited as I am, email us. Let us know what your thoughts are. If you hate this movie, let me know why. If you love it, share that love with me. You can tweet at me at JD's Hero Complex. You can email at Colt or email us at coltspopgo at gmail.com and I'm hoping to get the original Cannibal Horror Cast crew of Christian, Mark, and Steven together. Uh, see if we can rope in um, Justin Jordan as well and just talk about this with a bunch of spoilers and everything else. But uh, hopefully we didn't spoil anything for you. Um, I guess that's it. Thanks so much for joining us and we will talk at you later. I got one more thing, actually. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so, oh, um... So we had an interesting experience during the movie, and I I think you had mentioned wanting to do a little PSA. Listen, about- guys. There, okay. Yeah, the show is over, but I got, I got something I want to talk about real quick. We went to a press screening at the Riverview in Philadelphia, and there were th- two women and one man behind us, sitting directly behind us. And here's the thing. If you go to see a horror movie, that is not a reason for you to have carte blanche and just say whatever pops into your goddamn brain. Uh, There are people around you. There are people who came to see this to enjoy it with their loved ones. And they don't necessarily think that your stand-up routine is really ready to take it on the road. Maybe practice your shit at home before you go spouting stuff off at a theater. Um, You know, when I go to a movie like when I, well, I'm being sarcastic. (laughs) When, when I go to a movie like this, there are two different kinds of energy in a theater. There is the energy of everyone's quiet during the quiet stuff. And then when the scare happens, everyone screams and has a little bit of a laugh because they have a release and, you know, maybe some giggles, stuff like that. Some exclamations. But if it's a quiet scene and you're just saying the shit that's on the screen, fuck you. There's no re- there's a bunch of mannequins in this movie. You've seen them in the trailer. She's using them as fi- um as target, target practice. practice. Mm-hmm. And every time there was a more than one mannequin on the screen, the woman behind me was like, "Oh man, look at those mannequins. Oh, there's so many mannequins. Why is there so many mannequins?" Have you, are you not watching the movie? Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> I just I can't stand shit like that where you're just saying the stuff that everyone else is you're not telling anyone anything they don't know. They have, you know, ideally everybody there has eyes and can see. Just because you're going to see a fun horror movie doesn't mean that everyone wants to hear what everything you got to fucking say. That's it. Shut up. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us and we will talk at you later.